welcome to the GTFO podcast. This is Holly Kaplan. For those of you who don't know, GTFO means get the F out. In this podcast, we will be discussing how to get the F out. How to get the F out of a bad situation, predicament, or something you want to flat change. I'll be interviewing individuals who have had to GTFO. Expect to hear stories of those who experience situations of despair, pain, and fear. And the only way to escape it was to GTFO. Through this podcast, I want to give you, the listeners, the power and courage to make life changes should you need to GTFO. Corporate America is a tough topic for me. If you listen to my podcast, you know that that is where I spent 25 years of my career. I was groomed into it my entire life by my parents and environment. I was taught that you go to college, after graduation, you go to work for big corporate America, work 40 years at the same place, and retire. Now that I'm saying this out loud, it sounds awfully 1977, doesn't it? I think the expectation in this forecasted life was security, security in a big company, big dollars, and security in that tenure, and security that experience mattered. Here's a wake-up call, y'all. In 2021, it does not, even before 2021, really. When it does not work out as you were taught that it should, what do you do? When you are midlife, midstream, you feel like your skill set has been dismissed, discredited, and you have to start the F over. Well, my guest today has been through this exact situation and found herself in the throes of reinvention after 30 years at the same company. Let me just say that this situation is not uncommon and it needs to be discussed more frequently, especially now as we emerge from COVID and are in the pink collar recession. Natalie Borneo is Senior Director of Program Operations at Dress for Success Worldwide. In this capacity, Natalie leads the strategy and development of operations for signature Dress for Success programs, ensuring alignment with the Dress for Success mission and goals, as well as evolving public health guidelines. The signature programs provided through Dress for Success Worldwide impact 1.2 million women across the globe, equipping them with the tools to secure jobs, job retention skills, and strategies to achieve work-life balance and financial security. Natalie joined Dress for Success in 2018 after a 30-year career as a risk and compliance professional, where she served in many leadership roles, all focused on risk identification, efficiency, risk mitigation, and risk solutions. Natalie is a certified John Maxwell leadership trainer and has a strong reputation for leading diverse teams of professionals to collaborative success. Natalie believes in the power of mentoring and coaching. She has a certificate in leading change management from Cornell University and is currently a candidate at the Institute for Nonprofit Practice. Natalie obtained her master's degree in management studies from Fordham University and graduated from Howard University with a bachelor's degree in insurance and risk management. She has been married for 25 years to Henry Borneo. She has two amazing children who are unique, lovable, and caring, and she calls them her greatest joy. And she currently lives on Long Island in New York. Natalie, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much, Holly. It's a pleasure to be here. I would not have imagined at the start of the year that we would have this opportunity or this type of conversation, but I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) <laughs> I am too, because I think that you're like a superstar and so smart and just a natural born leader. Um, and let's talk about this. How do we know each other? I mean, like we said, we haven't known each other oh, that my. long. How do how did we meet? We met through a how, uh, powerhouse, Susan yeah, Freeman, 
the uh, Freeman means business and that she really does. So she does. um, Susan has an amazing network and you are just one of the bright lights in there that I was fortunate enough to be introduced to. Yes. Right back at you. And that woman is such a connector. She just amazes me. She knows everybody. You know what? I need to ask her if she knows like Brad Pitt. Does she know George Clooney? Because I might be missing out on some of these connections. Now that I think about Who it. Who knows? So know. I'll get to her after our episode. <laughs> I never know. You never know. Okay. I'm going to reach out to her later about this too. <laughs> but um, I'm excited to ask you these questions today because you have a heartfelt story and your story reveals your level of perseverance. And I love it. But before we do that, would you give the listeners a little background on yourself? Wow. Yes, I'd be happy to. So uh, I I was actually born in Kingston, Jamaica. I don't know if I ever mentioned that. Um, No. My father passed away the year I was born, so I never met him. But my mother was a dynamic woman, a tower of strength. And she moved our family to the United States. Uh, I finished high school here. And then I went on to attend Howard University, where I got my bachelor's in insurance and worked in the risk and insurance industry for 30 years until things changed. Wow. (laughs) So I have one older sister. Yeah, I have one sister. She's a dentist. She's amazing at what she does. Um, And the two of us, there were just three girls in the house growing up. Um, So it, it was great. Well, I'm sorry about your father. I didn't know that. Um, I want to address that. Um, and I'm impressed with how well your mother did with you and your sister. Oh, you know, that's a big achievement. Thank you. That's a big achievement. Absolutely. And you're located in New York City now. You're in New York City, correct? I live on Long Island. Yeah. <laughs> I've been a Long Island resident for about 20 years. And yeah. uh, I love it. I commuted into the city pre pandemic. And, um, you know, uh, just a lifelong commuter story. So it's been very different with the pandemic and just being working virtually. Right, right. That's a whole game changer right there. So no high heels required when we're sitting at our desk at home. So that might be a little bit. Lots of of great tops and lots of great tops and slippers (laughs) (laughs) and slippers. Yeah, the one thing with me, Holly, you know, I like to show up. The uh, And I like to show up the way I would like the energy to flow. So I'm always dressed and ready for whatever the Zoom brings my way. Right, exactly. <laughs> whatever the Zoom gods have available that day. I get it. Um, well, thank you for giving us some information on you because I just learned more about you also. Um, what I really want to get into is that 30-year span that you were talking about because I want to talk about your first job and your career highlights and your progress and how you became so visible. So tell us about that part of your life. Yeah, those were some real formative and important years for me. Um, So when I graduated from Howard, I graduated with a bachelor's of business administration in insurance. Um, And I actually had come to New York to interview. Um, Funnily, I really wasn't interviewing with an insurance company. I was actually interviewing with a bank. The banks were big on their um, new hire programs that were rotational and um, 
international. I was very much interested in having a global career, um, one where I could definitely make a mark. While I was here, the chairman of our department at Howard University suggested I meet with a gentleman who worked for an insurance brokerage, a pretty large one. At the time, it was number one, and it's always been in the top three. Um, Anyway, uh, to my surprise, I really loved the organization. That was my first job out of college. I went right in Mm -hmm. the door um, uh, upon graduating and really enjoyed a, what I would call a a robust career. Um, I graduated with a lot of confidence. That's one thing that Howard University definitely instills. And I had a a remarkable career starting at the ground level. Um, I had early success in becoming a managing director in a male, white male dominated industry. And I made remarkable progress Mm -hmm. because I got the job done in appreciative ways. Um, I was always either the glue that brought the team together or the problem fixer or the solution giver. Um, I always made sure that I had a role to play Um, and it was appreciated, especially when others didn't want to do the work for me. The work other people didn't want to do was a learning opportunity for me. So I dug in deep and I did the job in the best way possible. Right. And you worked your ass off. I know that. I know that. I and did. And you worked your way I up, remember. Natalie. I mean, I, yeah. you worked your way up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember after I had my um, uh, second child, I was actually, I had to go to Bermuda and I was still nursing and I ended Oy. up um, <laughs> expressing them, you know, in the, the client's bathroom. Um, and I remember oh just gosh. being so heartbroken, but I had to make that trip and I had to make it work. So, you know, it was one of those by any means necessary, gracefully and with power. And and I did it. And Thankfully, I had a a strong home network to support that. But if you were traveling to London or Bermuda, you just you needed to go. If you needed to be up for calls at, you know, 3 a.m. or 4 a.m., you needed to be up. And I also pursued my master's degree. Yeah. And I remember working a full day, going home, taking a nap and then waking up at like midnight to do um, my my work for grad school. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. So, you know, it's it, when you reflect on it and we don't always have the time to reflect. Mm-hmm. So I really want to thank you for this opportunity to look back and really appreciate all the steps that it took to get to where I am today. And I, I'm glad that you're talking about were, that. Um, they were all important. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I'm glad you're talking about that they because were we all don't realize important steps. We don't realize what we're doing when it's happening. You know, you're just doing what you have to do, yeah. have to do to do your job or get by. I mean, you made a big mama sacrifice by doing that. You know, <laughs> in your client's office Absolutely. because you had to keep you had to keep moving. That's what moms do. And uh, and I, uh, I admire, your, yeah, I admire your tenacity. I really do. I mean, it, it, it's that's hard stuff to get through. Um, will you bring us to some of your career highlights? Because I I kind of want to show you off. I mean. 
I kind of want to talk about your career highlights because you achieved a lot in your 30 years there. Absolutely. I mean, I started out as just a regular broker. Um, and I think the fact that I'm very much um, a, a trusted collaborator, I was brought into circles and projects where I was able to show off what I could do. So I always found that I was on the difficult clients, right? Um, I even had a client who was so challenging um, that she required that we come out to her office um, once a week, a uh, couple days a month, right? Um, but the the office dynamic, that offsite location, the employees there were actually told not to interact or speak with me because I wasn't there for social purposes. So there were many times when I had lunch in my car, but, you know, I, I didn't let that um, sort of, you know, uh, depress me or pull me off track. In fact, um, I stayed the course and to my organization's credit, um, they realized that this relationship with the client was so toxic that they actually resigned from the account. But I was very proud of the fact that I stayed on the course. And I had right. other situations where after speaking to the client on the phone, um, when they met me in person, the mm -hmm. name and the face didn't really quite match for them. And so they requested uh, a change in personnel. You know, they wanted someone more like um, Andre than Natalie. Um, ah. And those things were, were devastating at times. But again, I, I stayed the course because I, I was pretty confident in the fact that um, I had what it took to get the job done. Right. And I, I had some great uh, colleagues who I worked with. Communication is key. Trust is so important. So early on in my career, I moved from that broker to team leader to group leader. Um, and then along the way, I was tapped on the shoulder by uh, compliance colleagues. Again, reflecting on the fact that I was working with difficult clients and a lot of people ran the other way because I stayed the course, rectified the problem and, and repaired the relationship. Compliance really said to me, hey, you get this. You know the business. You know how to right track situations when they're uh, going off the rails. Um, and you just have a way about you. We'd love you to consider a career in compliance. Because Holly, if you know anything about compliance, it's the people saying, uh-uh-uh, that's not the way you do it. Um, right. But I still became the friendly face of compliance because I knew everyone in the business and I understood their challenges. So that that empathy and the way to use empathy strategically really paid off for me. Um, yeah. And I became then um, a regional compliance leader for the Northeast zone for my organization. Um, you know, I really did progress, as we said, and had great visibility because I, at times, I was training my senior leadership. I was the trainer for the leadership on right. many different occasions. Yeah. So... It was great. And I learned a lot along the way. It was not easy. Um, there were a lot of, of humble moments. Uh, but you know what? I stayed the course. And I did it for me, 
and my family. You did. Mm -hmm. And I admire you for your patience with that client because (laughs) I don't know if I could have done that. Um, I also like how you know how to empathize with the client because that's another gift. That's another, that's another skill. And from what I'm hearing from you, that's what made you different. And that's what got you to leadership. And it's special to have that kind of leadership. Um, and everything went well. You grew, grew up there really. You accomplished a lot. When did things start to change? When did your story start to change? (laughs) Yeah, I, I can say I really had a good run until. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dot, dot, dot. Uh, dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. And so that until moment um, came up when I was tapped on the shoulder to move from that client facing work to operational work. Mm-hmm. I was um, working for an amazing woman who was leading the U.S. in that department. Um, and she really got um, the, 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 she had the right focus, right? If you want people to be successful, then you have to understand their, what they do, how they do it, and then, uh, overlay what they need to do for uh, the organization's well-being and, you know, our overall success, making it a win-win. You don't beat them over the head and call them out and punish them. And, you know, uh, anyway, because people realized that she was so wonderful. She was elevated shortly after I got into my position. Mm -hmm. Woe for me, yay for her. So I was excited for her. Um, But I I knew I was going to miss her. I just didn't know how much. Um, Anyway, after she left, her position was filled by someone who uh, came from our legal department, right? And a different mindset when you think about the thinkers and the leadership styles and, and how people operate. Well, he, he made it very clear to me that he thought that my position should actually be held by someone with a legal background. Clearly, I didn't have the legal background. I had the business background, um, but he didn't see value in it. And, you know, <laughs> it, it, it became very clear uh, to me that things might not be going well. And I watched it, but I still, you know, performed. I did what I did. Uh, Listen, at that point, I was like 28 and uh, 28 and a half years, 29 years in the business. I had people, I knew people, I'd been places. I'd been nominated by the organization to receive awards, to speak on their behalf. And I trained leadership. I trained senior leadership so that they could maintain their broker's licenses. Anyway, right. Okay. Let I'm me go on a side. Let me go on a sidebar. Find... Let me go on a. Let me go on a sidebar here. Yeah. This guy whom I've never sidebar. met. Mm-hmm. Sidebar. What I don't like about this is the discrediting. He's discrediting your 28 yeah. years there, everything you've done, all the people you know, everything you've been involved in, all your promotions, and he comes in and says the yeah. shit. Oh, you don't yeah. have the legal uh, background. Yeah. I just I can't yeah, yeah. I, look, Natalie. I've been there before. <laughs> I've had the new boss come yeah. in and want to discredit all my hard work, awards, accolades, all that. So they have their own narrative around you. And I just want to make that obvious because this happens to more people than we think. And I'm sorry it happened to you, but I wanted to highlight it because if you see it happening to you in your workplace, it's not healthy. It's not normal. Okay. Sorry. Just had to say that. Go it, ahead, Nat. It, it's definitely a red flag. It's a red and flag. And that's what we mm-hmm. need to be more aware of the red flags what that really means for me and you 
for women. Yeah. Yep. Um, and we, we can talk about how you how you handle that or not. But his words were often, I didn't hire you. I'm not the one who hired you. Heard those um, before. And so, like I said to you, I, I saw the direction that this was going. So I proceeded with caution. And when right. you're in those situations, you make sure that you document. Uh, yes. You make sure you have conversations with other people to socialize what you're experiencing and going on. You know, what's going on. Don't do not do it in isolation. It's not helpful to you. Um, and, you know, I, I, I saw that huge explosion when my performance review went from a five to a two, mm-hmm. which means I was on a, a probationary sort of position. <sighs> and he also wrote in my performance appraisal that I needed to work on my written and oral communication skills. And that one was that slap in the face, like, dude, you should have picked something else. Yeah. <laughs> because if there's one thing I think and know I can do is I can communicate. I may not write like a lawyer. So we have to, I guess, define what do you mean by communication? Um, but um, yeah. And and so seeing that, I immediately went into action, which you should do. I didn't sit on it. I, I reached out to several people, including, you know, people I thought would have the ability to get involved, to ask a question, to um, inquire on my behalf, right? Mm-hmm. You don't take matters into your own hands. You try to get the help that's supposed to be there, connect those dots. Right. And it didn't work. <laughs> so, you know, I, I described it when we had our little conversation. I said, I realized the Coast Guard wasn't coming. Yes, that is exactly um, what you said. And why it was so profound for me is I can't swim, Holly. <laughs> so you can imagine, I'm not a swimmer. I don't swim. Um, and people who know me know I'm a poolside girl on the, the beach, you know, on the sand girl. Uh, and I'm occasionally on the boat, but give me the life vest. Yep, the Coast yep. Guard was not coming and the boat was torpedoed. Okay. So that means I'm going down. I recognize that. That was a very difficult time for me. Um, I just was completely lost. I couldn't imagine that I'd be like put out to sea, put out to pasture. It's like after 30 years, you would think after 30 years of really growing up in the organization, as we said, this was right out of college. I have a question, right? I have another question for you. Yes. In your personal opinion, because I've been through something very similar. Why do you think the corporate networking to help you? get through this failed? That's a hard question to answer. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I think it's something, and I'm going to just speak in terms of my my situation, but there's a parallel there for all women. Mm -hmm. I had, Holly, an amazing Rolodex, internal, external, every department, every level, but I never tested the network. I never made asks. I never put accountability 
in those relationships. I never tested the network to make sure that if I was going down, that I knew for sure who would come to my aid. And I think just having not tested it, having not put accountability where it should have been, people could opt out because they had other priorities, right? Right. And they would probably say, well, you should really talk to so-and-so, which I got a lot of. And there were some referrals. Well, if you really want to get out of the department, I didn't say that I did, but the, the offer and suggestion was talk to this other person in another department. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, you and I know, that when others are, you know, when the barn's on fire, the farmer goes in and relocates the animals because uh, they treasure them. They, they, they value them. Yep. They're going to rush into that burning building and move those animals out. Well, my, my building was burning mm-hmm. and everyone was saying to me, you should call the fire department. Um, and so nobody really helped. I think it's because I did not use my network in the way that you really should. Uh, and I've learned that lesson the very hard way. Um, that you really need to test your network. Having names, numbers, associations, and interactions does not constitute a network. How do you test your network, Natalie? How do you test it? You ask. There you go. You ask. You ask for things. You ask to be in places. You um, request support. Mm -hmm. You don't just... um, sort of acknowledge the fact that I know so-and-so, we have a good rapport, um, or have those difficult conversations with people. If you're sensing things or if you want to understand things, you get them involved in the way you expect them to react and support. If people don't know what you need them to do, they will opt out. It's human nature. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, But we have to be doing this testing and this interacting and this validating all the way across the board. You can't wait until you're in trouble Um, because that the reality then is not pleasant. Uh Uh-huh. It's it's mortifying. Uh, It rocks your confidence um, and it really puts you in a whole different headspace. What you're giving us is great advice because when I reflect back on my time, I didn't test my network. I isolated myself from the network because I was done with the network yeah. towards the end of what I was doing. Yeah. But looking back, if I had made those asks and built that foundation, maybe something different would have happened. I'm, you know, maybe it would have been a different type of exit, even. Um, so I think what you're saying is really good advice for listeners. Yeah, you may not be able to immediately impact what's going on around you. Right. But at least you will have laid the right groundwork. Right. Um, and like you said, your exit might be different. Right. Um, you know, you and I see have seen many people leave an organization under really, uh, you know, dubious <laughs> situations. Oh, yeah. And they come back. They come back strong and, you know, in more senior positions um, at the end of the day, you know, a few years after. 
And I, I think that's really because they kept that network working in the way that you and I couldn't do it. Right. Yes. Um, yes. I yes. also, yeah, back in the day, you and I weren't always on the golf course with the guys having those kinds of conversations. Nope. Right. Uh-huh. And nope. Having uh-huh. those carefree moments. Um, and I did, you know, I, I told you the story about creating a women's luncheon network, insur- insurance women who lunch for the women, the amazing women who I saw who were not invited out to play golf. They were not a part of that click that went out with clients and with underwriters and others in the industry to play golf. So I created a lunch thing and we had over a hundred women, you know, go uh, downtown to, you know, the Chelsea pier area to get on that. You know, I want to call it circle line. It wasn't circle line because we had lunch. We had an amazing buffet and conversation like you wouldn't believe. Um, Of course I was told to cease and desist because it wasn't, sanctioned by the organization, (laughs) but you can imagine. Um, And I do things like that where I see a need and a gap. I'm a solution oriented person. Yes. Um, And you you were trying to change the driver. So, you know, right. You were, you were trying to change the culture, if you will, you were trying to create something new out of what was there and give a place for, for women to come together. Cause we don't always have that in organization. So I appreciate that you recognize that need and you're like, Hey, let's do a group. Let's do a networking group. Let's have a luncheon because we, you know, it's a safe place for all of us to get together, share ideas and just get to know each other, which we do not have on the golf course. So, right. And there were I, no pre-qualifiers. If you eat, you can come, you know, there were, <laughs> you didn't have to have a handicap. You didn't have to you know, go through any, uh, you know, hurdles. Right. It just said, yeah, I'd love to go to lunch with all of you women, you know? Right. So it was great. Well, that, I just think that in itself is really powerful. So I'm, I think it's terrific that you took the lead on that. I'm just going to say that considering everything that you had been through, this is the big question. You realized the Coast Guard was not coming. When did you realize you would need to GTFO? Yeah, after I went all the way up to people I knew in employee relations, right? And employee relations, they are the knights who come to the rescue of the damsel. You know, they are the protectors because they go by what's not in the rule book. What is wrong with this situation? And when the suggestion was made that I maybe find counsel, (laughs) <laughs> then I kind of knew like, okay, it, this is a GTFO moment. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The Coast Guard is not coming. Decisions have been made for whatever reason. Um, and I needed to go into action myself, right. for myself. And that was a, a mental adjustment as well as a physical adjustment. Um, um, you and I know that I needed to make sure that I had the story laid out chronologically with supporting documentation on the interactions and the types of experiences. Um, I also needed to pull my history together. What did the company think of me? But it really did shape me in terms of making me figure or wonder who I really am. And what did people really say about me when I left the room? Mm-hmm. And and 
do I really add value anywhere or am I seemingly expendable like any and everybody else? You began to question and, things know, that, that you were confident about previously. Totally. I mean, yeah. Totally. And think about it, No one in my family, Holly, had, had climbed to the rungs that I had. No one had achieved my success. My mother was a nurse. She was an amazing woman who worked nights so that she could be with us in the day, even if she was fast asleep or dozing off. Um, and so I was the only one in the corporate environment. Um, and this was so new. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it really was uh, an extremely difficult time. And I was the major breadwinner in my household as well. Um, at this point, my daughter's looking at graduating high school, um, you know, entering a private high school to, you know, so there, there's a lot of what am I going to do now? How uh-huh. am I going to manage this? Where do I go? Uh, people always came to me for help, right? Where do I go from here? And then as a woman of color, it was also profoundly painful um, because there weren't many women of color in my position to begin with. Right. Uh, and it was very lonely <laughs> going through that because, you know, others were kind of tentative about how much they would get involved because um, you just you still needed to be careful. That's Associations really are very important. Labels are important, you know? know. Yeah, but I that's just really disappointing to hear that, you know that people didn't step up. I, you know, and I can't fault anyone because at, right, at right. that time, we're, we're not where we are today. And right. I'm really grateful that we are where we are today with the awareness mm-hmm. and conversations like this with mm-hmm. people like you oh, who want to make sure that other people hear the story. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a big understand. focus. I don't want this yeah. to happen to other women. I don't want other women to experience this. That's why this is so important. So I want to thank you for sharing your story, but sorry, keep going. Just wanted to say that, get that out there. Yeah. And I'm, you know, what I'm going to say too, is the reality is we may not be able to change the course of the tide. It's bigger than us, right? but there is a way to get through it and emerge after it, which is more important. Because honestly, Holly, um, I think I'm in a better space right now. I would never, ever have thought I would have left a corporate career to -hmm. go into the nonprofit sector. But that's where my passion is. That's where I'm comfortable. That's where my skills are um, impactful. They were definitely uh, impactful in the corporate world because they were sort of unique, right? Who's the strategic, empathetic leader, who's the expressive driver in corporate America, who's the uh, trusted collaborator, change agent. You didn't have many of those back in the day. Those were not the skills that people were looking for. They worked wonderfully for me because uh, I had a lot of scenarios where the traditional skills and strengths were in great conflict with the client situation or the needed, the desired outcome. So I was a unique person, Um, but I was not necessarily the one that I I guess you would say had the corporate skills at the time. 
But today I am finding that where my strengths are um, drive my work in nonprofit and allows me to get closer to my authentic self. Right. And That's I'm grateful for that. That's part um, of the gift. And, yeah. Right. Of what happened. Yeah. That's part of the gift. Once you make your work, your way through it. Um, well, so you give yourself permission to feel everything that situations like that may bring. But know two things, that it doesn't change who you are or what you bring to the table. Um, and you need to manage yourself out if you're being managed out. Don't let people take that from you. So if the, if the Coast Guard is not coming, you decide what you want your exit plan to look like. I love that. And Be I aware. made sure that I communicated with people who I let them know they failed me. <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't the angry woman, but I certainly was very firm in, I really expected something different. I thought we had this kind of relationship, but clearly it didn't work. I really appreciate what you did for me in the past, but it's clear to me that going forward, I'm going to have to take control of my next steps. Um, I, I was not afraid to communicate what I witnessed and felt about what was going on. Now, if you're planning to get back in the, that organization or something else, <laughs> again, you manage it differently. Right, this exactly. This just may not be my season here, but I want to keep the door open. And so you you stay in contact uh, or you create the, the context of the relationship that you think you need if you want to go back into the organization. Um, certainly don't leave ugly, but leave proudly and take control of that exit discussion and strategy. I love that advice. That's terrific because you get back in your power when you do that and you're able to call out those who did not help, who were not by your side, who you thought would be, you know? Um, So I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for acknowledging it and and saying, no, this is BS, you know, I'm moving on. And (laughs) karma, karma is a thing. So just hold on, buddy. Yeah. You know, and that's why, Holly, just one quick comment. When people ask me about that um, phase in my career, I say to them, I was invited to leave. Yep. Because I didn't leave voluntarily, but I was invited to leave and I accepted the invitation. Right. Right. I love how you said that, too. I was invited to leave. And so hence your change. Hence the moment when you said, what now? What am I going to do? So now I want to go to that moment. And when you were faced with personal reinvention, I'd love for our listeners to know what that felt like at first. And how did you take those steps? Because that's the hard part. That's a really hard part when you're, I'm going to say in middle age, I'm almost 51, when you have to start your shit over midstream and no one tells you how to do it. A whole slew of feelings come about, and then there's a level of direction needed to get you going in the right direction. So what did you do? Definitely. Yep. Well, I didn't immediately go into nonprofit work, um, but I really sat with myself to figure out who I was. 
and what I wanted to do. If at this point I'm having a choice, then I'm going to make sure it's clear in my mind um, that I'm not just I'm not chasing ambulances. I'm not just going after the next job that opens up. I want to make sure that I know what I want to do, uh, where my passion is, where my strengths are. So I really did sit with myself. And I'm always, you know, a, a continuous learner. You, you are a lifelong learner. I really uh, took an opportunity to, to do some soft skill training for myself some reading, but I also made sure I understood my social communication style. What makes me different? How do I impact? Um, as everyone does, I did like the strength finders to find out where my strengths are. Mm -hmm. I needed now to communicate who I was outside of the positions I held. If you don't know who you are, you're not your position, right? I was a managing director. I was an East Zone compliance leader, but that wasn't me. I right. needed to be able to communicate who I was. What, right. And that's not going to go, that's not going to um, go on your tombstone someday. You know what I mean? Yes. Exactly. Natalie was a managing director. Yep. Who gives a yep. shit? Who gives a shit about that? You know what I mean? It's great to have the title, but it's what not. What does that mean? You're managing what direction? What does that mean? Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> she did such yeah. a good job. Oh, sorry, go Some ahead. Some people go say ahead. minimal duties, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah. Minimal so, duties. so I, I, I needed to find out what, what kind of leader I was. Right. Um, and, you know, I asked people. I <laughs> recently, even a, a year ago, last year, when this bottom fell out, I, I put out a personal survey and I asked people, you know, what do you think of me? What do you oh. see my strengths as? What, so, what are my core leadership um, you know, traits. What do you get from me? And I had 25 people respond to a survey and I did a graph so I could see <laughs> what people thought of me. Mm -hmm. um, and it's reinforcement for you to understand what people think about you when you're not in the room. Um, and, and that gave me the confidence to just really reposition myself on my terms. Look for the types of jobs that aligned with my personality and my skill set. You'll find that sometimes your skill set is even it's less important than your personality mm -hmm. or your leadership and communication styles. Um, because a lot of what we do for organizations is sometimes organization centric. It's so specific to the organization that you would never do it anywhere else. Another organization doesn't have the same systems or protocols or processes. Certainly you learn from it, but that's exclusive to that organization. So it's it's the, all the other stuff about you that you need to sell when you believe you find the right position. Right. So, you know, my brand, I'm a maximizer. I make things better. Um, I leverage individualism. I understand the people I work with and I try to ensure that when I'm communicating with Holly, I'm doing it in the way that's best for Holly and myself. So we get that win-win. I'm a strategic, you know, empathetic leader. 
I'm not going to put a square peg in a round hole because that will just agitate me and frustrate you and we won't be friends. Um, So I'm not doing that. Uh, And I'm going to tell the truth. You know, when I was told back in the day, hey, we're we're applying the bell curve to the performance appraisal. So this guy may be a three, but you're going to have to tell him he's a two because the bell curve. We have too many people who are threes. Oh, I've heard that before. I believe in dumbing down people. That it's is terrible. The, 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 that is malarkey, as they oh, would yeah. say. But just tell people the truth. If you don't have the money to give them, tell them you don't have the money. But certainly do not dummy down their skills. That to me is deplorable. Oh, yeah. I've been and told to do that trust. before. Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I trust people and I hope they trust me. And because I know I don't know everything. I'm going to bring in people who can get the job done. So uh, trusted collaboration is something I'm big on. And I found that these were things I liked to do and I did well. I can manage people through change uh, because of how I communicate and how I interact. And I love it. Right now, I'm a student in the Institute for Nonprofit Practice. It's an amazing organization because nonprofit leaders oftentimes just fall into their positions without really understanding how to move forward in this seat. They are not corporate America, but it's still a business. And it's a business with heart, which requires you to operate differently. So I'm giving a big shout out to INP. I'm a part of their inaugural class in New York for 2020-2021. And they're opening up a new class now. So there's the plug. That's terrific. If you're interested in being a great leader in nonprofit. Natalie, you just totally like inspired me. I feel so empowered right now. I'm listening to you. (laughs) I feel like I can conquer the world. I say Natalie for president. I'm just going to say that. Natalie for president. I mean, I feel like I can conquer the world. Too many strings with president, babe. Oh, I know. Uh, Too many strings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get Uh, that. Let me tell you, I I am one for change. I have felt in this reinvention freedom and freedom for being confident about who I am not. Oh, I love it. I am open to be more. I I just want to make it clear who I am not. Um, And I want to be accepted for who I am. And I'm always open to learning more and doing more. I am fine with people teaching me, um, even if they are people I manage and supervise. If you can teach me something, let's do it. Let's bring it on. Right. Uh, Because we didn't grow up uh, or we're not born with knowledge. We acquire knowledge. We pull, pull things in. If you stop doing that, how can you lead people if you don't know things? That to me is so ridiculous, right. but you know, it's, it's the freedom for me is, yeah, no, I don't do that, but I can find someone who can, <laughs> you know, right. and you're not too proud <laughs> to say, okay I can find me. someone. You're not too proud to say, I can find someone you're going to, there, there are leaders who think it's all about them. And instead of delegating or looking for peer advice or direction, they stay within themselves. So um, I think it's terrific. Yeah, I am here to set the tone and keep the guardrails up. I'm not here to keep people down or, or, you know, suppress them so that I can look good. We're going together on this train. It's all, all the wheels are staying on the track. There's room. There are many cars on this train. Um, We don't all have to be in the same car. 
for the train to be moving in the right direction. So I'm okay with that. You're you know, so they have the scenario of the bus and who, right. who should be on the bus and having the right people. I'm on the train because I want to go. I want to go fast, but I want to be safe. And I want to make sure that every car has people in it who can do whatever they need to do as long as the train keeps moving forward together. Yeah, we can meet up for lunch in the in the lunch car. <laughs> You're so good with these analogies. Sorry. Coast Guard, no, I trains. Might, you know. <laughs> That's great. Humor works for me because humor, humor puts people on a common level. It does. It diffuses tension. It doesn't mean that I'm silly or that I'm trite. Uh, it, it means that I am willing to listen, learn, and I want to convey to people that there's an openness here. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're screwing up, I'm going to tell you you're screwing up. But I'm going to say we need to fix this because this does not work with what we need to do. Um, uh, so I, I'm OK with that. Again, I, I tell the truth. Um, it's not always great news. And I'll say I wish I had better news, but we can do something about this. Uh, I don't believe in not coming up with a solution or trying to find the silver lining. There's got to be a silver lining in this situation. Um, it may not be for today, but you know it's there. Right. So it's okay. And it's a terrific way to approach people. I like how you said that, especially if it's something that's not a positive situation specifically. You're like, I wish I had better news. We can do this. And here's the silver lining. So I love how you right. just said that. That's that's those are leadership lessons right there, Natalie. So I love it. Mm-hmm. Okay, tell me this: knowing your whole story, your thirty years, your pivot, your reinvention, and where you are now, what advice do you have for other people who are going through the same thing? Are you trying to indicate that we're getting close to the end of the <laughs> podcast? <laughs> how anyway, did you let know me that? Get to this. Ah, let a girl down gently. I'm sorry. Um, you know, I, I, John C. Maxwell, love it. Yes. I'm trained. I'm a John C. Maxwell uh, leadership coach and trainer. He says, change is inevitable. Growth is a choice. Mm. We have to be open to change and growth. It only makes us better. Um, I don't think we should ever feel like you know, this is it for me. This is the end of the road. There are certain things that we don't love. Let me tell you, this virtual world is a nightmare for me sometimes. I swear it takes me 10 hours to do what people can do in 20 minutes. But once I get it, I'm okay. Right. Um, but just be open to change. Sense that it's coming. You certainly have to be aware. Always be aware. And make some proactive moves, whether it's your adjusting your attitude. You know, I love Bruno Mars. He's my favorite artist right now. And he has a line in a song. It says, put some perm on that attitude. And if you know anything about African-American hair, when you perm your hair, you make it straight. So it's silky Uh. and it's straight. It's not kinky or curly. You straighten things out. So you put some perm on that attitude about change or whatever it is. Put that in perspective and then know that there may be a growth moment coming up for you. Prepare for it. 
Right. I love it. I love how you're like, it's not the the end of the road. And the preparation could be many different things. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a major Uh to do, but you have to prepare for growth. Right now I'm trying to grow personally. (laughs) Right. No, I think I've already had the red bottom shoes. I've been in the boardroom. I've led the meetings. Yeah. I'm okay if I don't have to do that, but I still want to seat at the table and you know, I make sure I get it. (laughs) Right. Right. I have no doubt. And like I said earlier in this episode, you're such a terrific leader, but I love what you're saying. You've got to get ready for change. And if I'm looking back at my 25 plus year career, change was not at the forefront. It wasn't about change and growth, change and growth. It was about survive, do what we say. It wasn't about being that change agent, if you will. And it sounds like that's what you do now because you can. And I love it. And I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, Nat, how can people get in touch with you if they want to get to know you better or have you speak? I am on LinkedIn. I, as I said to you, I am not that social media maven um, and it's okay. I love LinkedIn. I express myself on LinkedIn. It's Natalie A. Borneo. You can find me there. You can find my thoughts, my opinions, the things I promote, the causes I support. I'm very transparent with the type of person I am and who I love to connect with. Um, So look for me on LinkedIn. I'd love to connect with anyone and we can have a conversation there in that little chat box and then uh, take it offline. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Listeners, get connected to Natalie. Get connected to Natalie. (laughs) Natalie, you're such an inspiration. Um, I'm ready to hit my day now because you just like set me straight, you know, got me going. You know what? I have a daughter and let me tell you, I'm bringing her and everybody else along with me. Anybody who wants to go my way, come on. The Get train on the train. Is Get on ready the train. To leave the station. Train is leaving Let's the station. Let's go. I Let's love it. Let's go. I love it. Put some perm on that We're attitude. Put, Let's go. You know, <laughs> I actually have that song on my playlist. I know that song. I love that song and it makes me walk really fast. <laughs> it makes me burn calories. It gets me motivated. It really does. So, all right. This is the last episode for season three of GTFO. And oh, wow. Yeah. I want to I thank you for being my the season. You, you didn't are tell closing. Me. You're closing Loving it out. Mm-hmm. You are. And you know what? After we hang up today, mm-hmm. I think I'm going to call Susan Freeman and see if she knows Bruno Mars. And I'll let you know if she does, because that's who we're going to connect with next. <laughs> we absolutely. Yeah, let we me are. tell you. All right. Uh, absolutely. Back in the day from my daughter, I was the Cheetah Girls. <laughs> yeah. This is... Bruno Mars. It's Thank Bruno you so Mars. much, Holly. This was so much fun. It was a pleasure having you. Thank you, GTFO listeners. That is season three. It's a wrap. See you in season four. Thanks. Thank you for joining me today on the GTFO podcast. This is Holly Kaplan. To connect with me for confidence coaching or speaking engagements, please connect with me at hollykaplan.com or find me on Instagram at GTFO underscore podcast. Thanks. Thanks.